Welcome, everybody. Once again, Filibuster Freestyle. It is your buddy, Gavin. It's a hush-toned Saturday morning podcast. Not going to lie, these hush-toned Saturday or Sunday morning podcasts seem to be what the new normal is for the show in late 2021. And that's okay. We're all right with it. Frankly, why yell when you can speak in a normal tone? What I consider to be a hush tone, but again, most normal people actually would say is a normal tone. Anyway, got an okay show for you today. And I say okay, because I'm being honest, because last week I felt like it was a subpar show. Still put it out, because, you know, content is content, right? And, uh, you know, there's irony in putting out the content and owning it. Is that meta? I don't know. By the way, right around the time people started to be able to use the phrase meta correctly, Mark Zuckerberg, who ruins everything, had to go and rename his company Meta. Thanks for nothing. Can't believe you continue to find ways to ruin everybody's day all the time. Anyway, theme song coming up. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Filibuster Freestyle wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, at Filibuster Freestyle. We always appreciate the listening, the rating, the reviewing, the subscriptions. And you know what? Old-fashioned way, telling your friends. Here comes the theme song. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle, Okay, theme songs in the books. So last week we told you we were about to head out to California to see our buddy Jeremy Johnson. Go see the film. Uh, Go see the filibuster freestyle is what I was going to say. We'll leave that in uh, to the crack research team. No, going to see the Patriots play at SoFi Stadium against the Los Angeles Chargers. Phenomenal experience, and we'll get into that. But first, unofficial sponsor of the week, number one, um, Jalisco, sorry, Estrella Jalisco. So Estrella Jalisco is a beer from Guadalajara, Mexico. It is Typical of a light lager beer. I don't want to say it's like a Corona or not like a Corona, but it's kind of like a Corona. Um, Though it's not as widely distributed here in the U.S. But of course, when you're in L.A. and you're at a Mexican restaurant, you're going to get some authentic lagers from Mexico. So I had myself an Estrella Jalisco. And the way the server asked, do you want a lime with that? And the answer is obviously, of course, yes. But what they do is they bring over the limes in a bowl of salt. I mean more of the coarse sea salt or the flake salt, not just table salt. And so with the lime kind of sitting in a bed of coarse sea salt, you know, the big chunks, the big flakes of sea salt, when you put that into your uh, Estrella Jalisco, but any lager, frankly, it's wonderful tasting. And so what Jeremy was saying, man cook, good plug. Of course, Jeremy knows why. Um, the actual way to make a lager taste better is not just the lime. It's the lime and the salt together with the beer. And Corona obviously has kind of come to dominate the American market in terms of a, a beer produced in Mexico uh, that has been widely imported and distributed all over the world, including the U.S. But the lime in the bottle or the glass made, you know, made it in terms of the the, the shift into a, a different consumer market. No, it's put a lime in it. But the salt piece did not. And I'm here to tell you, the salt piece is key. So if you have the luxury of either drinking one of these at home, 
or asking a bartender or a server if you can get a little bit of sea salt on the side, that is the move with a lager. It does not have to be Estrella Jalisco. It can be any type of lager, especially a, a lager coming out of Mexico. Um, goodness, was it good. Goodness, was it good. Also, the meal I had at Kia Dean Restaurant, which is a place I love to go when I'm in L.A. It's one of Jeremy Johnson's favorites. It should be everybody's favorites. It's an authentic Mexican place. It's lovely, absolutely lovely spot, lovely people, phenomenal space. I've been there three or four times in the last three or four years, and there was an 18-month, obviously, window there where I couldn't even travel. So I wish I could have been there more. But had the barbacoa de chivo, which is, um, I believe it's actually lamb or goat, which may, may not sound appetizing to everybody, but it is in a, a wonderful broth with some avocado leaves and some flakes, uh, sorry, some spices, excuse me. And, uh, yo, it's unbelievable, especially with, with some tortillas. Thank you, Kia Dean. Unbelievable meal on Dia de los Muertos on November 1st. It was wonderful to share that meal with our man Jeremy and his family. So anyway, let's get into some things we learned while we were in L.A. So in L.A., there's a street at the airport called Century Boulevard. And why would I care about that? It's just the name of a street to me. But Jeremy and I were driving over to Gary's house for the game on Sunday. And Gary is the guy who got his tickets. He's a season ticket holder for the Chargers. Really appreciate the tickets, Gary, and appreciate Gary putting up with Jeremy and I as Patriots fans um, at a game where there was a lot of Patriots fans, but not so much in Don, uh, sorry, Gary's section. And um, so shout out to Gary for, one, his patience, two, his hospitality, his graciousness. If you're ever on the East Coast, Gary, you've got to let me know. Um, but we're driving Gary's, and the, you know we're at 102nd Street, and 101st Street, and then we're at Century, and then we're at 99th and 98th. And Jeremy, all of a sudden, he's been living in L.A. for like 20 years. He got it. He says, oh, my God, it's called Century because it's 100th Street. So I was at the beneficiary of Jeremy finally having the breakthrough that Century Boulevard is how Los Angeles decided to celebrate 100th Street. And that's phenomenal. It was just phenomenal to be there with a guy who's basically been in L.A. for now at least half of his life, if not a little more probably. And um, he, he got that Century Boulevard is 100th Street in the car on the way to the Patriots game, uh, the Chargers game, really on the way to Gary's house. So good stuff there. Something we learned for sure. All right. So SoFi Bank Stadium, home of the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Chargers. L.A. Chargers still feels so weird to say when obviously it used to be the San Diego Chargers. Even though they were originally the L.A. Chargers for a year back in 1960, it still feels so weird. But SoFi Bank Stadium, a $4 billion-plus project, one that is, you know, mired in a little bit of controversy in terms of just taking over that neighborhood and them making promises civically. This is Cronky Sports Group, the Rams owners, who also own... Arsenal and a bunch of other sports franchises around the world. But, um, you know, a lot of controversy, but they got it done. They got the team there. They got two teams there now. And it is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life in terms of a stadium. It is a sensory overload in what is simultaneously an incredibly entertaining and, and like a sight to behold, if you will. But as Jeremy and I were joking... His frontal lobe was still over 
kind of like oversaturated with information a day later. And I don't disagree with him at all on that. It was um, a wild experience to be indoors, but also outdoors at the same time. And I really can't even explain it to you. I'll try. It's an outdoor stadium with this giant shell over the top of it that appears to be a dome, but it's not. It only touches the ground in four small points, but then it, it's this huge canopy of steel and plastic and glass or whatever it's made of that covers the entire stadium and concourse, but you're not inside. It's frigging wild. But anyway, unlike anything I've ever seen, switching gears to something very simple. Outdoor sidewalk dining continues to be the biggest silver lining of the pandemic. We were in LA, unprompted. Jeremy said that when we were at a beer hall, a German beer hall on the sidewalk, having a pretzel, having a beer after he picked me up from the airport last Saturday night. We've said it a million times here in Boston. My friends all over the country say it. Outdoor sidewalk dining in places where it didn't used to be here in the States is easily the silver line. Like, there's a lot of silver linings to the pandemic, and there's a lot of, obviously, it's a pandemic. Millions are dead. Tens of millions have been sick. It's not okay. But if we look for little slivers of something to say, well, I'm glad that happened in terms of just like making society slightly more enjoyable in a really unenjoyable period of time to be alive for some people, outdoor sidewalk dining it is. And again, that's a very small silver lining in something that has been now almost two years in, completely dominating our lives and forcing us to rethink everything. So good talk. Got another one for you here. So I check out of my hotel the other day. And I'm staying by the airport at the Westin. And it's about four and a half, five and a half miles to where we're going to have dinner at Kia Dean. And about four and a half miles there, um, there's kind of, I'm just looking for a place to maybe kill some time while Jeremy gets out of work. And so I saw there was a blue bottle coffee. And blue bottle coffee is kind of an upscale, you know, it gives you a vibe that it's a kind of a hipster, independent coffee vibe, to use the word vibe twice in a sentence. But... It's a chain. They're, they're in Brooklyn. They're in Boston. They're in L.A. They're everywhere, right? So, but I know, okay, well, Blue Bottle Coffee is a place I can kill some time. And I don't know L.A. well enough, especially on foot, especially from the airport, to know where this Blue Bottle is in relation to, like, areas that maybe I do know in L.A. So I, I, I traveled light. It was only a two-day trip. And I, I take my, my backpack, and I'm walking. And, it, again, it's about a four-and-a-half-mile walk or so, four-mile walk, to Blue Bottle Coffee from the hotel. So I walk up to Pulvita Boulevard. I get to the Fox Hills Mall. I know that area. I've stayed in that area before. Um, it's pretty close to where Jeremy lives, you know, within about two miles. Make the corner, make the turn. And I realize, oh, okay, I'm in Playa Vista, which is near Bologna Creek. And that is um, a very interesting area to me personally, and I'll get into that in a minute. But Playa Vista is on the ocean, and it used to be a lot of marshland. So there's kind of like a hill above it. And then you've got Marina del Rey um, to the, I guess, north of it. And in the middle, it was just kind of like marshland. And back in 2003, when I was out in LA and thinking about staying out there, um, I happened upon this exact spot on a bike ride. And I went for a lot of bike rides then because I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job yet. I was looking for jobs and trying to decide what I was going to do. And so I was on this bike ride, and 
it actually turned out to be one of the, the actual remember, like memorable, true sliding doors moments of my life. So I was on a bike ride. I happened upon Bologna Creek. Bologna Creek is where I think a lot of the collegiate rowing teams in LA, at least back in 2003, that's where they would have their races and row because obviously not a lot of lakes in LA. Um, the ocean's rough, but that, that creek actually is a saltwater creek that was in marshland again, and you'd be able to get some flat water and row. So I got there and I saw all the graffiti of all the teams on the rocks, which is something that happens coast to coast here in Boston. You think of the BU Bridge, you think of the Charles River, head of the Charles, you see the same thing. And so that was nostalgic for me, one, because I grew up going to the head of the Charles, and two, I grew up, my father was actually a collegiate rowing coach. And so I don't know what happened to me on that bike ride, but as I got to that creek and saw those, uh, that graffiti, I had this moment of, I don't know what I'm doing out here in L.A., and maybe I should stay, maybe I shouldn't, but I think I want to go home and try to coach at my old school, Clark University, where I swam. And bottom line is I was home pretty soon after that, and I did, and that was kind of a choice to get into coaching and collegiate athletics. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, that's basically where I've spent my entire adult career. And that's wild that that bike ride set that in motion, and it literally did set that in motion. Um, and, so to, and I've been back to that area before, but really not knowing it and or not really thinking about it too, too much. But when I happened upon the walk into Playa Vista and how built up it is now, I had the exact same... I had the exact same shot of a place I was standing 18 years earlier. It wasn't the creek, but it was a view of the hillside out towards the ocean from where I was standing. And in 20, 2003, excuse me, it was like nothing. It was like a wilderness trail. And now it's this built-up area called Camp Vista, which Facebook has a headquarters there. Honest, which is Jessica Alba's company, has a headquarters there. Blue Bottle Coffee is there. It's basically... Pick any city. I'll use Boston as an example. The seaport used to be a place for parking lots and warehouses and seafood storage and fishing. And now it's this gentrified million-dollar apartment and above area that is at once super nice and super sterile and super homogenous to every other nice new neighborhood in America and in any big American city. And so it was really surreal to be unknowingly walking into a view that 20 years earlier, 18 years earlier, was nothing but wilderness and sea and marsh and ocean and maybe a few things and some warehouses and buildings maybe, sure, to essentially what is the seaport equivalent here in Boston in L.A. But it was cool 18 years later to sit there and wonder what direction would my life have gone on if I hadn't gone on that particular bike ride or if that bike ride that day had gone literally in a different direction, a different street, a different route. And I'm not questioning that decision. But 18 years later, it was really interesting to be back in that spot, fully aware I was in that spot and fully cognizant of how much Playa Vista had changed over the 18 years. And obviously I'm cognizant of how much my life has changed because, hey, I've been here, right? But anyway... Weird, wild, fun, but also it made me think of something else. It is amazing how the gentrification and homogenization of neighborhoods no, no longer feels sterile 
it kind of feels like home. Let me, let me go back to that. I don't mean my home where I grew up as a kid. I mean, if you live in a city or if you travel a lot for work or you travel a lot for leisure, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. So if you, I live a mile and a half from the seaport here in Boston and all the stores, everything is either a really successful mini chain in the city or an actual chain store. And I can go to a place like Playa Vista and see the exact same stores and the exact same architecture and the exact same types of buildings with million dollar lofts and condos and studio apartments for 600 grand and two bedrooms for $3 million. And it's the same people. It's, it's people from all over the world who either have moved to the city or are rich enough to have a pair to tear all over the place. And they want the same amenities in every single one of their places that's A, close to the airport, B, they need things to do close by, but C, is the gateway to a wonderful city with all kinds of authenticity, just not in that neighborhood. And when I say it feels like home, I mean Playa Vista and the seaport feel very similar, despite being in cities that couldn't be more different. And so that is sterile. That is homogenous. That shouldn't feel like home. But here in 2021, it kind of does. Not saying that's good. Not saying that's bad. I'm not even here to comment on those types of uh, opinions on it. I have my opinions on it, but I felt like it was worth mentioning so you could think about it for yourself if you'd like. That's what I got today. Oh, I had a question from a listener. Are you not doing places listening anymore because people aren't listening anymore from different countries? That is not true. I just haven't had time. But you want to hear some places listening to close it out? Let me get the list. All right, places listening. So tell you what, France, still number one by a lot. France has been dominating for about two years now, and we really appreciate all the listening in France that's going on. The USA, clear number two, used to be the clear number one. Still really appreciate it. This week, this is actually a newbie, Singapore in third place. Thanks for listening in Singapore. I don't even know how many times we've had a Singaporean listener or somebody in Singapore listening, but third place, bronze medal, first time ever, I can tell you. Fantastic stuff. Rounding out the rest of the countries and places that are listening. And again, there's a bunch of countries, but let's go places. Germany, United Kingdom, the federation that is in Russia, Spain, Philippines, Mexico, the Islamic Republic of Iran, interestingly enough, Turkey, and rounding it out for sure, Vietnam. So thank you to everybody in those countries and around the world who continues to listen to and support the filibuster freestyle. We really appreciate it. Again, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your pods, including good pods, SoundCloud, iTunes, again, Apple Podcasts, really, sorry, um, Deezer, Spotify, and wherever else you get them, like I just said. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.